0: Welcome to the All Things Nintendo Podcast. I'm Brian Shea from Game Informer, and this is a weekly podcast to discuss all the biggest news and games from the world of Nintendo. Last week, it was pretty much just one major talker in the report of Nintendo's next console rumors, but this week we have a whole lot more to discuss. We're going to kick things off this episode with news around the world of Nintendo, but we'll be focusing our main segment on all the news that came out of the Pokemon Presents stream earlier this week, and then we're going to do a little retrospective on one of the most beloved. Nintendo games of all time at the tail end of the show. Joining me for all of that is Kyle Hilliard. Kyle, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm doing I'm doing good. Yeah. Normal normal time for me.
0: Well, that's good. Uh, I as you know, Kyle, I had a microphone crisis before this started. So apologies, yeah, if crisis a crisis is weird. the right
1: word. <laughs> yes. It, it was it was
0: almost world ending over here now my microphone fell out of the stand (laughs) and uh i had to find an alternate way to prop this microphone up so uh yeah we're just kind of rolling with the punches today but kyle we have some news to discuss before we get to the pokemon presents that we're going to be talking about during the main segment today first up nintendo released its first financial report since the launch of the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom and as you probably expected the numbers are pretty good So, according to the report, which uh, goes to as of June 30th of this year, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom has sold 18.51 million units.
1: Jeez, okay. Nintendo says
0: this helped them have the highest global sell-through of first party for the first quarter since the Switch launched in 2017. (laughs) So, pretty good numbers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, you always assume Zelda's like massive but then you kind of look at the numbers and it's like Zelda's like does really well for nintendo but it's no like you know mario kart right mm-hmm. like it's not and i and my understanding is it's it's not quite as big in japan as it is in america but i could be wrong about that like there, it's big everywhere but not as big mm-hmm. right is what i'm saying so it's always it's surprising to hear that number in a way even though it shouldn't be because the game was a massive hit and it's all everyone talked about during the month of may you know
0: so how about this number? According to Nintendo, the sales of Tears of the Kingdom account for about half of the first-party software sold this fiscal year so far. Jeez.
1: Yeah, well, you know, you make a good game, you get rewarded. You think that's a good game? I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're
0: probably... Re- yeah, no, it's amazing. Um, <laughs> And uh, Nintendo also sold about four million new switches which is about 14 percent more than this same time last year so oh so guys
1: just even the hardware got just a huge tears of the kingdom bump
0: yeah they were basically saying like hey like because tears of the kingdom did so well it actually encouraged people to go out and buy an like a switch
1: (laughs) man imagine imagine if they'd had a you know a switch the one 0.5 the point five or whatever. <laughs> hey, well, it sounds like one that. is
0: coming po- potentially next year, so I don't know if they're going to do it that at that point. Yeah. Um, but with this news, Kyle, it's time to update the sales charts for Nintendo. The Switch has now sold one hundred twenty-nine point five three million units, which still trails the DS by about twenty-five
1: million units. so. That's but- so cr- it it honestly it surprises me that it's still trailing the DS. Does the DS count every version of the DS 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 Lite DS yes. it yes. does not count
0: okay. the 3DS but it counts the DS like all the yeah. DS models that came out.
1: Jeez. Okay.
0: Um and then Tears of the Kingdom also made its debut in the top 10 chart of uh Switch overall sales. So it is now number 9 on the charts uh above Super Mario New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe and below Super Mario Party
1: yeah see that's kind of what i was talking about earlier like you'd think zelda would be like zelda and mario odyssey right or breath of the wild and mario odyssey would be like number one and two with a bullet but it's like no it's actually like mario party and mario kart like you you're, i've always I'm kind of surprised to look at that list
0: to be fair super mario party's been out for a lot longer
1: <laughs> i suppose yeah i mean
0: yeah. um but the the chart now is mario kart 8 deluxe easy number one it it Beats out number two, which is Animal Crossing New Horizons, by about 13 million still. Jeez. Um, Animal Crossing New Horizons, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, number three, number four, Breath of the Wild, number five, Super Mario Odyssey, uh, number six, Pokemon Sword and Shield. But right on its tail now is Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, number eight, Super Mario Party, number nine, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, and number 10, New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe so it still
1: that is yeah that's weird you gotta that's think surprising. that a lot
0: of people just skipped the wii u yeah so. i guess
1: i mean it's also been out for a while it's it's it is the the newest 2d mario available on the platform which is sort of like you know everybody wants that um
0: yeah i wonder yeah. If how super mario brothers wonder is gonna do because like you always think like all right well the 2d mario games aren't gonna do as well as the 3d ones but at the same time that looks like a pretty novel twist on the entire thing
1: well, I think the 2D ones do sell better, though, don't they?
0: Well, I mean, I know that New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe was a port instead of, you know, an all new game for the Switch. Right. But it going by the numbers, it trails Mario Odyssey by about 10
1: million units. Okay. Okay. I, yeah, I guess. And then the, I mean, we talked about just briefly how big the DS is, right? It's it's like Nintendo's what best selling console ever. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I and you try. can, and a lot of that is I don't know if people even remember it at this point. But new Super Super Mario Brothers on the DS was like a revelation kind of, right? Like we hadn't had a a proper Nintendo 2D Mario in a long time at that point. And that's why that system was such like a a colossal hit because everyone just wanted a new 2D Mario, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, that was one of the many reasons that that, (laughs) the DS was a colossal hit. It's kind of like how people are always like, oh, well, the PS2 is the number one selling console of all time. Only because it had the DVD drive and it was cheaper than like other DVD players at the time. It's like, yeah, well, that was a big factor, but it was also um, like just a massive library of amazing games as well. Um, But with this new data, which accounts for the first month and a half of Tears of the Kingdom's life cycle. Where do you think Tears of the Kingdom is going to end up? Do you think it outsells Breath of the Wild? Breath of the Wild currently number four at 30.65 million units. Tears of the Kingdom is at 18.5 million units.
1: Oh, man. I I think it might just because of the install base, right? Like more people have switches now than they did when Breath of the Wild came out. They and do. if you go buy a switch today, you're going to pick up Tears of the Kingdom. You're not going to pick up Breath of the Wild, right? Maybe you pick up both. I, I don't think you do. I, I mean, genuinely, I think you just pick up Tears of the Kingdom. So yeah, I think probably. it has... And it, oh man, I think it has the potential, which is not what I was saying uh, a couple months ago. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah. um,
0: I, I think it, it ekes by it. And I think that a lot of people, it's gotta be the social media impact as well, where everybody's still sharing their weird ultra hand creations and all the, their ways that they're getting across the world and everything. And I think that that is still buoying a lot of the enthusiasm of this game. I mean, it's a great game in its own right, but We exist in a world where social media is probably the most effective marketing tactic at this point, and word of mouth is incredibly strong about The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, Speaking of Tears of the Kingdom, according to Automaton, which I'm not familiar with that outlet, but uh, Nintendo has filed more than 30 patents related to Tears of the Kingdom. And I'm reading this over on GameDeveloper.com. And here's some of the, the things that are listed in the patents that are filed. Uh, Ultra Hand and Fuse, which, you know, the the mechanics, the primary mechanics that let players move items around and then combine them. And you know, that, that's something that other games have done. But, you know, they, those are the selling points for a yeah, lot yeah. of people for Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, some of the ally abilities like Riju's Lightning Storm specifically are mentioned. Uh, here's a weird one. The in-game loading screen during fast travel, where it shows Link on the Hyrule map and then blinks over to wherever he's fast traveling to.
1: Oh, weird. I mean, that is a cool little feature. I do like that. Yeah, uh,
0: it's just an interesting thing to try to patent. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I mean, I guess with companies, they'll just throw out a lot of patents and see what sticks, right? It's like it's just covering your bases. It's like a legalese kind of thing, Uh but yeah, I wouldn't think of that as like some unique mechanic to Tears of the Kingdom. Although I can't really think of another example of it in another game off the top of my head. You know?
0: Yeah, I think it's such a passive thing that like if another game was to do it, I may not even realize it.
1: Yeah, right. I would be like, of times... oh, that's a, that's a Tears of Kingdom thing. I would just be like, oh, it's a map.
0: <laughs> yeah, because like when a loading screen pops up, I'm usually like, oh, let me see what I can look at on my phone for the next 10 seconds. Right, yeah. yeah. And then also, this is the one that uh, GameDeveloper.com pointed out as like, one of the weirder ones, they somehow managed to file a patent. I mean, these are filed. These aren't necessarily approved, but right, when yeah. the player's character and a dynamic object come in contact in the downward direction relative to the character movement of the dynamic object is added to the movement of the player's character so like if if a character comes into contact with another character basically just the the theory of relativity right
1: okay yeah (laughs) physics i guess in general right
0: (laughs) yeah i mean it's just an interesting uh way of wording that but yeah i mean do any of these seem like weird aside from that loading map
1: no, I, I don't know. I don't know a lot about uh, how game developers approach patents in general. You know what I mean? Like this could be like totally common. Like there might be a bunch of patents out there for like Far Cry 6, you know, uh, just yeah. like things that are kind of unique to that game. Um, so maybe this is just totally normal and we just don't really, we're, don't, we're paying attention to it because it's Tears of the Kingdom, you mm-hmm. know?
0: Yeah, if it was Far Cry 6, I wouldn't be talking about it on all things Nintendo because that game's not on a Nintendo system
1: that's true they should put far cry 3 on switch what are they doing that is a very good game
0: i'm i'm actually surprised it's not on switch like it seems like ubisoft has done a lot of like support for the switch but i was playing
1: uh assassin's creed but not black flag but the other one what's the other one rogue rogue i had never played rogue so it was on sale and i played like the first 30 minutes of it the other day i started
0: it like four times and (laughs) just (laughs) fell off every single time
1: yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going like, to continue it or anything. But yeah, let's get Far Cry 3 on there so I can buy <laughs> it on sale and play the first 20 minutes.
0: I, I'm always surprised that the Assassin's Creed games are on there. But there is a game that I am more surprised is coming to Switch. And that is Mortal Kombat 1.
1: Right. Yeah, because that's
0: yeah. only coming to PS5 and Xbox Series X. It's not coming to the last gen Xbox and PlayStation, at least not yet. And it's still somehow coming to Switch. And we got a new trailer during EVO 2023. And we now have three more characters on the roster. So we have Reptile, an absolutely amazing addition. Seems like they're doing a really cool take on him too, where like he can transform between the lizard form and like kind of like the green uh, masked ninja form. And there's some really cool like combos you can pull off using that. Uh, Havoc and Ashra are two of the other new characters they are they made their debut in kind of like the 3d um era of mortal kombat Mm, okay so people may be less familiar with them unless they grew up on like deception and deadly alliance and armageddon but we also learned that serena is joining as a cameo fighter and then uh yeah seems like they all have some pretty cool moves you can go see the trailer on their youtube right now how are you feeling about mortal kombat one are you a are you an mk guy
1: uh no I I really feel nothing uh sorry (laughs) I I, like I I don't um I I don't think it's bad I I you know what I mean like I've never I'm not big into fighting games and I'm not big into Mortal Kombat like I, I although I think I I was kind of toying around with the idea with Marcus of maybe kind of like checking out the sort of story element of the recent Mortal Kombat games cuz that's something it seems like I could like, you know. Yeah, the
0: story elements are amazing. Um Yeah. The one in MK9 is very very good and it tell it retells the f- story of the first 3 games. But it's almost impossible to get right now. Right. Yeah. I think it is backward compatible on Xbox, but it's not sold digitally. And even if you go to Steam, it has a Steam store page, but it's not available for purchase.
1: Really, that guy's just about a Google Mortal Kombat Nine Complete Edition on Steam. Maybe that's what this is. Weird. Okay, it's
0: very weird. I wonder if what happened was they, when they put out the complete edition, I wonder if they delisted the like the vanilla version, and but the complete edition includes like licensed characters like Freddy Krueger. So I'm wondering if maybe they lost the license and therefore lost the ability to sell any version that comes with him. Right. And they just were like, well, why do we go through the trouble of relisting the original version? It's like, oh, I would I'd like to play the original version again. I have the disc somewhere like in my storage, but I'm not I, I have an Xbox Series S. I can't even put it in the, the disc drive. I mean, especially
1: considering one. it like it is canon, right? Nine? No, I mean, Mortal I Kombat know the is uh, in, rebooting in question. again. Well, I'm sorry. What did you say, Brian?
0: Mortal Kombat 1 is kind of like another reboot, though.
1: I know. Yes, I know that. But it's like 9, 10, 11, right? And then then 1 is kind of like the universe is reset, right? That's my understanding? Yes. Okay.
0: But it it does follow the events of 11. So it's like 11, there's like a a big reset point that happens at the end of that story. And then 1 follows those events. So it's like if you played 11, you'll be like, okay, so this is why all this is happening. But if you just jump into one, it'll be like, well, I guess it's just a fresh universe.
1: Yeah. How let's see. How much is Mortal Kombat nine on on eBay? Let's see. Mortal Kombat nine on PlayStation three loading like kind of expensive, actually. Okay. weird. What a strange thing. Huh?
0: Probably because it's not available digitally. Like, that's the thing is like. We don't have any of the Pokemon games on Switch. Like, I mean, we're going to talk about some of the Pokemon stuff later on in this episode, but like we don't have like the classic Pokemon games on Switch and those games are super expensive. And sometimes having them digitally decreases the price a little bit because you, if you just want to play the game, you don't want to collect it. You yeah. just fire up the modern console version. That's what happened. I remember in particular when final fantasy seven was finally made it digitally available back, I guess like, what was that like 15 years ago now? Yeah. The, the price, cause it was a really expensive game if you wanted to buy the PS one version, but the price just plummeted mm. on eBay. But now it's like, all right, well, ev- almost every major Zelda game is available on switch either through like buying it outright or on switch online. But Zelda games are still super expensive on eBay. Right, right, right. So I think that it's just very hit or miss there. But I I would imagine that if Mortal Kombat 9 was made available on digital storefronts, that price would come down pretty substantially.
1: Mm. Okay. Yeah. But that stuff.
0: Anyway, Mortal Kombat 1 coming to Switch as well as PS5, Xbox Series X and PC on September 19th. So right around the corner. Not, Not too long to wait for that one. I probably won't be playing it on Switch, but happy it exists.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if we're like entering this era now with PS5 and Series X where it's going to go back to sort of the, the Wii Xbox 360 era again, where it's like the switch version is going to actually be quite different, <laughs> you know, then, yeah. but at least there will be a a game called mortal Kombat one on the switch shelf. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hope not. And like talking
0: to Ed Boon, it seemed like it was going to be pretty much the same game. And like he even said like, yeah, we're gonna, it's going to run at 60 and it's going to um, 60 frames per second. It's going to be just a really smooth experience and everything. And I'm like, all right, yeah. So it, it's cool. the same developer that made Mortal Kombat uh, that did the Switch version of Mortal Kombat 11. So they know what they're doing, at least, because that game, from what I understand, runs pretty well on Switch. But yeah, it probably just
1: doesn't like look it's... look as good, but runs well. Right. Which Correct. is like what yeah. you want, What which is what I'm happy to take on Switch. You know, it's like I, I understand I will take the lower visual fidelity as long as it plays well. You know,
0: 100 mm-hmm. percent. And, you know, it's the sacrifice you make for having that version on the go.
1: Yeah, that's fine.
0: Um, But one of the bigger and more kind of unexpected pieces of news, Kyle, was that Red Dead Redemption, which came out in 2010, is coming to Switch. Hell yeah. And it was one of those announcements where everybody was like, oh, this is amazing. And then within, like, five minutes, it was just, everybody hates this announcement.
1: <laughs> I, I did see that sort of uh, turn, but I don't understand why it happened. Why, why are people upset?
0: So, this game, right? It, it One of the greatest games of its generation. But Love Red dead redemption, of course. Keep in mind that that generation is two generations ago. So, the game is 13 years old. And this port appears to not do anything to improve the game. Plus it doesn't include multiplayer and it's being sold for $50. Okay. And that's, that's that's the, the crux of the argument of people being like, this is actually bad.
1: Right. Yeah. That price that's, that's pretty rough. Like I honestly, like I don't care about multiplayer personally. You know, I I know there are people out there that love red dead redemption multiplayer, um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would love to have that game on the Switch. I would even maybe consider replaying it. I mean, I played it when it came out. That was the last time I played it. And I think I played the first hour right before Red Dead Redemption 2 came out. But uh, yeah, I don't even mind the lack of upgrades. Like, you know what I mean? Like, as long as it, I just want a good version on Switch. And if that's what that is, I'll 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 be okay. But yeah, 50 bucks. That's that's pretty rough.
0: Here's the other part of it. So it's it was announced for Switch. <laughs> You all right.
1: I thought I turned off my mic for that cough. I'm sorry. <laughs> you
0: did not turn off that. Oh, mic no. I'm sorry. Uh, so, here's the other really bad thing about this announcement. So, it's coming to Switch and PS4. And because, you know, it's backward compatible on Xbox. So, you could just buy the Xbox 360 version if right. you want to play this on your Xbox One or Xbox Series X. But before you ask, no, there is actually no native PS5 version. And it doesn't get. 60 frames per second, even if you play it on PS five, which would be the big thing, right? Like you would want it to run really smooth and you'd want it to run at 60 frames per second. I bet that would do wonders for it. Like I understand like the switch version, it's going to be a lower technical achievement in terms of like what it's able to perform, but the PS four, why not like give us some version that's like upgraded for that version. Right.
1: Yeah. Mm, Yeah. Something, especially at $50.
0: Like it's, it's not good. And then on an earnings call, IGN actually asked Take-Two CEO Strauss Zelnick about the price tag. And his quote was, it's the commercially accurate price, which, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, <laughs> Yeah, what does that mean? I don't know. And then here's what here's his follow-up He said, because um, it includes the Undead Nightmare DLC. And uh, that made Strauss Zelnick say it is, quote, great value.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, right, there's this ongoing thing where, like, Nintendo games don't drop in price, right? Like, they're always the same price. And they're basically the only people that get away with that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, any other company that's still selling Mario Kart at 50 bucks would be, like, laughed out of the room. And I think Rockstar is probably, like like, we're the one other publisher developer that can probably pull this off right is their thought you know it's like us and nintendo we're probably the only ones but they're just they're not like you know what i mean like gta 5 goes on sale all the time i think it was given away on epic game store for a while like those games are huge and like they are good games but they just they like it's it's a yeah it's just still feels like it's too much i don't know especially with the, without much added right I I, yeah. I I get it i get it the
0: him saying that just adding the dlc for this 13 year old game makes it a great value uh it gives off big it's one banana michael what could it cost ten dollars right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like i don't know it just uh I don't like having the hyper rich CEOs of these major companies telling us why we should be grateful that this price point that we're complaining about.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 30 feels right for that. Honestly, even, even that is like maybe a little high, but like, yeah, 30, even 40, I would be like, yeah, okay. Okay. A little high, but all right.
0: But yeah, so that is that news. It's coming out Switch and PS4 on August seventeenth, uh, or later if you just do the smart thing and wait for it to go on sale.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, how did you... they handle the the GTA ports recently? Those were pretty not, pricey too. I mean, well,
0: right? at launch they were not good. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I don't.
1: I actually don't mean that part of it. I I, I mean the pricing. I, I don't remember. Let's like see how what much they're currently the at on.
0: On uh, the Grand Theft Auto...
1: You're looking up on the eShop? On the eShop. Trilogy.
0: I will say that the functionality that you should do... It's asking me for my age. So I'm typing in my birthday. Uh, it's currently $60, which, again, not for great. Three games, right? It, it, again, Vice
1: City 3 and, and San Andreas?
0: Yeah, it's 3, yes. Vice City, and San Andreas. Again, it's, very old games, though. Lot. That's even another generation back.
1: Yeah, that feels like so much. I mean, those those are cool games. And you know what? I played a lot of Vice City on my Switch. When that came out, I was like, you know what? I've never beaten Vice City. I'm going to play it on my Switch. And I played it for like seven or eight hours. Uh, but man, that's pricey. That's pricey.
0: Um, Yeah. I, I, here's, here's my recommendation to you. When Red Dead Redemption, which I don't think it's on the eShop yet. Red Dead, oh, it is on the eShop. So go to that eShop page, Red Dead Redemption. Hit the little heart when you're logged in. (laughs) You'll get an email if it goes on sale. That's what I do with all the eShop gems that are brought up here that sound like really cool, but I'm looking them up and they're like, ah, it's $25. I don't really want to drop $25 right now. I'll get an email. It's like, oh, by the way, this game is now like $15 on sale or it's $10. I got an email the other day about uh, an R-type game that I've had my eye on. It's like a remake of the first two R-Type games. Remember those? Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, yeah, the R-Types from like the SNES era were amazing. And so it was like a remake, I guess, of those two. And I got an email that was on sale and I'm like, I'll buy that for it was like $7 or something.
1: Gosh, I wonder if I unsubscribed from those emails or something. Because I still have... I, I What I'll do is I'll just log into the eShop occasionally and just scroll and down go and look see. at my wish list and go down the line and be like, what's on sale? But I feel like I haven't gotten an email in a while. Maybe That's I'd... the
0: way to do it. I mean, I have so many games on my wish list and, you know, it's... It's kind of cool to like see, oh, two games are on sale. And then, like I said, I think on a past episode here that we were just talking, <laughs> um, I will use that as a measuring stick of like, do I really want this game? Because like it's like oh, a $15 yeah, exactly. game and it, it's like, oh, it's on sale for $5 now. Eh, I still don't really want it. And that's my cue to remove it because it's not going <laughs> to probably get any cheaper than like $5 or seven fifty
1: right 50 like yeah, a more yeah.
0: expensive game. But moving on, Devolver Digital. They, weren't, uh, they They joined the Pokemon company in putting out a showcase this week,
1: but it was uh, I I song, yeah.
0: not exactly the same kind. It was called Devolver Delayed, and it was basically a parody of the Nintendo Directs, and it featured overly upbeat hosts delivering news that five of Devolver's games are being delayed to 2024.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why not? You know, make it fun. I like it.
0: And, yeah, so it was it was very funny because, like, they were, like, they, they definitely took on, like, the same, like, voice as, like, the Nintendo Direct people. But, like, they were, like, making it very obvious that they were, like, being, ex- like, toxically positive in this. <laughs> they were, like, it's been a great year for gaming. And then another one of the hosts was, it's always amazing at Devolver. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, they got more and more, like, overt and, like kind of in your face with the positivity as it went on and right you, right guess what it's been delayed <laughs> <laughs> so the games were uh pepper grinder skate story Angerfoot, and stick it to the stick man getting delayed to 2024 but none of those games are currently slated to come to the switch um they're not none of those anyway but no. i would be surprised if some of them didn't end up getting like ported over to switch right now i think all of those are currently only pc maybe well, what was Xbox, the list
1: again i'm sorry you pepper said...
0: grinder skate story Angerfoot, and stick it to the stick man there is one that i haven't mentioned yet that is coming to the switch i'm
1: sure that pepper is grinder is not coming to switch i but bet it anyway. will. yeah
0: uh the plucky squire is the one that a lot of people are really excited for that is listed yeah. for switch um unfortunately it is also coming to t- in 2024. Now it was originally all those were originally scheduled for this year. Now 2024. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'm most excited for uh, Stick It to the Stickman, Skate Story, and Plucky Squire. But Pepper Grinder also looks really great, and Angerfoot, while not my jam, I think people are gonna enjoy the the humor and first person shooter kind of grotesque nature of that game.
1: Yeah. By the way, just a quick update. I I cuz I was flabbergasted that Pepper Grinder wasn't coming to Switch. It is listed as Switch on its official page.
0: Oh, okay. So, so, um
1: yeah. Which that game I'm particularly excited about. It's funny. That's probably at the top of my list. Uh, uh yeah. To Your Yeah.
0: When I looked at Stick It to the Stickman, I was like, that just it looks like a fun like just kind of roguelite brawler. So, yeah. I'm, I'm in on that one. And I, it reminds me of like the 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 Stickman animations back on like uh was it Newgrounds?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were always fun. What a throwback! Um, yeah. No, Devolver Digital is like uh genuinely like up there as like you know one of my favorite publishers, right? Just because like they have a sort of there's like it's one of those things that's tough for a publisher to do where it's like you you know it's like a Devolver game when you see it kind of thing, right? But it's like what defines a Devolver game? I don't really know, but it feels like a Devolver game, and and they've had a they've they, they do good stuff. They've, they've had a lot of games that I like, and they always have cool, like, indie sort of stuff that just happens to appeal to my 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 taste. So I'm always excited to see what they're doing.
0: I feel like they really laid, like, their groundwork for, like, setting their expected tone with, like, Hotline Miami. That was, like, yeah, their first, yeah. like, huge hit. So yeah, I, yeah, I love I, Devolver. I think they're one of the better indie publishers. Uh, it's, like, them and, what, Annapurna.
1: Yeah, like I would put them in sort of in the same uh, zone for sure.
0: Very different tones in the the games they publish, but like still a a fairly consistent mark of quality for all their games. Um, But that, that wasn't the only delay that we got this week. And we'll end the news portion of the show on this. WrestleQuest, which I've actually had Marcus on to chat about a little bit. It was supposed to come out two days ago. And then literally hours before it launched, the developer tweeted out that it was getting delayed.
1: (laughs) Oh, bummer. Okay. Weird. So basically
0: they said they found a bug that would cause your save data to get deleted. If you were playing across multiple devices, I guess like cloud save errors or something. Mm. Um, So like if I was playing on Xbox, my Xbox series S down in my basement, and then I went up to the Xbox one in my living room to continue playing, I guess it would potentially delete the save file as like you were transferring from one game to the other no okay yeah or one device the okay. other but the good news is it's only a couple of weeks because it's coming out on august 22nd now so it's a bummer for people who are like yes this is the game i'm staying up till midnight to play tonight and then they're like yeah by the way that's not happening anymore
1: but <laughs> yeah, august 22nd that's, that's a bummer man like especially for the publisher developer or it's just like we gotta we gotta pull the trigger on this thing like every we can't we can't release a game where everyone's save file is gonna like disappear like that's just you know we 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 can't like we just can't. And uh, they had to they had to pull that trigger at the last second.
0: That is a bummer. Um, Before we wrap up this first segment, I did want to give some brief impressions of the new Overwatch 2 season. Uh, This isn't something that I've really done a whole lot of, but this is by far the largest update in Overwatch 2's history. And it actually adds a lot of stuff that people have been wanting in the game. Uh, First up, there's a new support hero named Ilari. And she has kind of like a, she's a uh, support character with like a rifle that's kind of like Anna and Ash combined, where it's like she has like a primary single shot attack that doesn't really pack a whole lot of punch, but has a decent range. And then her secondary is a heal beam, which is very, very useful. And then she also has kind of like a turret, but it's, it's kind of like a combination of like Torbjorn and Symmetra's turrets, but you can stick it on like walls and stuff like that, but it doesn't shoot enemies instead it shoots healing shots at your your allies and it can also be destroyed so like you have to play you have to be very strategic with where you place it um and then she has a move called outburst which like can propel her forward in the way she's looking or moving and it also bounces back any enemies that are nearby so if like people are kind of crowding you a little bit you can use that and make some space and then she has a move called captive sun which is her ultimate and she floats up in the air and can shoot down this giant like almost like mini sun and it starts inflicting like a a status ailment on enemies and if they take enough damage while they have the status ailment they actually explode so that's pretty powerful and then there's also this is the big one for this this update it is the pve story mission so there's rio de janeiro which it starts off on the ground you're making your way through the city and then you go up into one of the drop ships and you fight and there's like a a couple of like combat rooms and then there's a uh, boss battle up there and then like a a big escape uh, sequence. Then there's Toronto, which I've talked about in a previous episode, basically just like moving throughout the city, battling waves of enemies. And then there's Gothenburg, which is a payload escort mission. And then you get to the end and it's wave-based survival with a little bit of tower defense elements to it, where you're like moving turrets around and placing other turrets to kind of help you take on these waves of enemies that are coming in. So those are all very fun. I think Toronto was the longest one that I played. And then there's a few other things underworld you're it's another like PVE mission, but it's a limited time event where you're rebuilding a robot as enemies come in. It's not as narrative focused and you're, then you escort the robot through King's row. It's like a new areas opened up. There's flashpoint, which is a new PVP mode. And it's kind of like a control point uh, mode where you're basically just trying to control an area until the the meter reaches 100% but instead of that being the end of the round just another one opens up and there's five control points across the map and the first team to get to three captured wins the the match um it's it's fun it it doesn't revolutionize any of the pvp but it's uh it's a solid addition to the the suite of of modes and there's some other stuff that is getting added to this like hero mastery missions where it's like you can t- choose a hero and then go in and take on these challenges in like kind of like a training simulation room. And uh, I didn't get a chance to play it, but I watched some footage and it, it looked pretty fun. And then uh, a new progression system for the characters where you earn like little cosmetic rewards for them just by using them and completing challenges for them. So pretty substantial update. It's available right now. If you are playing overwatch Two. it's it's the, the new season started yesterday So you can uh, go check out all that stuff, Uh, Kyle. Have you played Overwatch at all in the last several years?
1: Uh, No, I haven't. I'm not. But here's the thing: is the fact that there's uh, PVE stuff. You know, it's like the thing that is most likely to get me to to check it out. Well, um, I think it, I played like one round of Overwatch 2 and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not really a big multiplayer guy. I think I'm
0: good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, the PVE is still four player co-op, but you it's a matchmaking system. So you can just jump right in. You don't have to talk to anybody if you don't want to.
1: Yeah. Well, I just like I, I like fighting. AI right like I'm not I'm less interested in fighting um other people which is a wild thing to say when it comes to overwatch but no
0: I get that like and it's it's kind of like the the system like the way that I I I discussed this with one of the call of duty developers of like the challenges of adapting a single player experience into a multiplayer experience and I'm sure it works the other way around but like essentially when you are playing a single player thing you are the the center you're the focus you're the hero of whatever's going on on screen and then when you're you're suddenly you're you're used to just being kind of this unstoppable killing machine essentially in a single player action or shooter game and then you go over to multiplayer and it's like oh everybody's kind of on equal footing some people even maybe on better footing because like some games reward you with better guns if like you uh you have played for a longer time or like you've ranked up. Right. So it's like, yeah, suddenly you're like just another person. You're not like the hero that everybody's like, Oh, he's here. We're going to save. we're saved because this guy's here. So I, I understand that. Um, but if you do want the PVE missions, you will have to pay. Unfortunately, it's not included free in the update. I think it's $15 for the, the update to give you the PVE missions. Underworld is free. Um, or it's like $40 for like the ultimate premium, whatever, which you probably don't need if you're just checking out the PVE missions.
1: Yeah, that's the stuff I'm interested in for
0: sure. But yeah, that is available now. If you're an Overwatch fan, we are going to take a break. And when we get back, we'll be diving into all the Pokemon news coming out of this week's Pokemon Presents stream. We will be right back. Late last week, the Pokemon company announced that it would be hosting a Pokemon Presents stream with about 35 minutes worth of announcements. And wouldn't you know it, they followed through on that promise. But Kyle, going into this live stream, what were your expectations?
1: Oh, interesting. Um, I mean, I they were low. I, I didn't really have any expectations for any big, crazy announcements. I don't know what I want from Pokemon right now. Like it's it's because was it last year? Like time flies, but it was last year that we had Scarlet and Violet and the the other one whose name is escaping me. Legends right now. Ar- Arceus. right? Like that was that was twenty twenty two. Yeah, yeah. So it's like with that in mind, I was like, I, we're not getting a new Pokemon proper announcement. Like they they still need to do DLC and stuff like that. So I I thought it was going to be more like State of the Union. Here's DLC details and. Maybe a few other little things, but nothing big. Which is, I kind of feel like I nailed it—not to be really did. own back. <laughs> I saw a lot of people
0: speculating that it might be like time for another wave of remakes. Since oh, we did,
1: yeah, that's did okay. Get the I don't think diamond, that's an unreasonable expectation. Yeah,
0: um or maybe more games on the Switch Online catalog. Maybe we were finally going to get like Red, Blue, Yellow on the Switch Online catalog. But uh, I guess we should just clear it up right now. None of that happened.
1: <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: but that's, normally I would go chronologically on uh, these kind of live streams, but I figured why worry too much about that for something like this. So let's, let's talk about... Highlights. Yeah, let's talk about the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet expansions. That was the thing that they ended with. That was the biggest piece of information. So let's run down what they talk about. Part one, the Teal Mask. Uh, you travel to Kitakame Village. And it has like this ancient folklore that states that it was once attacked by an ogre, but the monster was driven off by three legendary Pokemon. So when you arrive in the village, there's a festival going on and you can take part in the festival, learn more about the local uh, folklore and culture. The best part, however, is the new evolution of Applin, which is named Diplin. And it's just the best. Have you seen this one?
1: I think so. Is this the really tall one?
0: No, 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 no. This is oh, I'm so. At Applin it now. is like okay. an apple Pokemon, and Diplin is an apple dipped in caramel, to kind of <laughs> coincide with the fact that you're at a festival, which is just an absolutely perfect evolution, Damn. like regional evolution.
1: I'm looking at it now, and it's very slug-like. I gotta say, <laughs> yeah,
0: but caramel apples are delicious, and uh, that's a great way to. You know, give a uh, regional variant to a uh, an existing Pokemon. Yeah, that's fun. I like it. Uh, this expansion, the first part of this expansion also has a new mini game where you can ride your Pokemon around and pop balloons to earn Mochi, which can then be used to boost your Pokemon stats. Um, and then there's also a traveling photographer that will ask for your help in taking photos around the area. So that's part one. The what is mask. that
1: photographer wearing?
0: Uh, it's not Todd Snap. Oh, if worried about
1: that. sorry, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, part two, the Indigo Disc. You
0: go to Blueberry Academy as an exchange student. You may remember that in Scarlet and Violet, you were at either Naranja or Uva Academy, depending on which version you had. Right. Um, you can take new classes and meet new students and then challenge the BB League, which I'm assuming is short for Blueberry League, uh, which is basically the school's Elite Four. And this expansion, this, will, this looks like it's the more substantial one. It takes place in this giant terrarium that they've created, and it's full of different biomes, which I'm also hopeful that these areas being kind of more self-contained means that it's not going to run like total garbage. Um, and if you complete all the tasks, you can even teach whichever legendary Pokemon you got based on your version, uh, Koridin or Moraiden, to fly, which seems like it would be super useful getting around uh, the open world.
1: Could it not it could, it, could it could glide. Like glide yeah. Right, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool.
0: But it seems like this is, like, because there's a, a part in the expansion where it's like, okay, you can teach her, or the, 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 in the trailer about this expansion, and, like, you can teach your Pokemon temporarily to fly in this story, and it's like, maybe there's a way to even learn this permanently. So there will be a way to learn it
1: permanently. <laughs> um, Do you and... remember in, this is, a, this is a deep cut, but remember in Skyrim, there was a mission where you could get a, a uh, key that could un- it was a uh, where you could what is it called um, where you pick the lock it was a lock it was an unbreakable lock pick mm-hmm. and what you did is you got it for like a mission but then you had to return it at the end of the mission I so don't. what what everyone did is they just never completed that mission so they just had a- a- an unbreakable lock pick with them the whole game so that's what people are going to do here is what I'm saying <laughs>
0: that is very smart actually um but no i don't remember that mission but i think that there's going to be a way that like once you complete this quest be like oh yeah now he can fly forever
1: yeah yeah they're not gonna say "Ooh, maybe you can have it forever it's like that's you confirming you can have it forever you guys (laughs) (laughs) um this expansion also has the league club
0: where you can decorate your pokeballs change your throwing style and then invite trainers to battle and then uh, we also got to look at two new paradox Pokemon, uh, special versions of Cobalion, and then the one you were talking about, Raikou, which right. is the uh, legendary like saber tooth tiger from Gen two, but now it's like a, uh, a Brontosaurus. Is that what Pokemon, what a dinosaur that would have been? Where it's yeah. Like a real tall. It's like it looks like the tall necks from uh, Horizon Zero Dawn.
1: Yeah, it's very giraffe-like because they're yellow. Well, I mean, I guess giraffes are orange, but like it kind of looks giraffe-ish. So, yeah, it's cool. I like it. It's weird.
0: And then uh, I guess probably the biggest news out of this segment was the release date for the first of the two expansions. So the teal mask comes out September 13th. So that's right around the corner. And then the indigo disc, they just kind of reaffirmed that it's coming this winter. So did you get a chance to watch these uh these trailers at all? Or like how are you feeling about these expansions?
1: Um, much like Mortal Kombat, uh, I feel basically nothing. Um Wow,
0: and I know yeah, you're a Pokemon sorry. guy.
1: I know. I I didn't beat Scarlet and Violet despite enjoying them. Like I was like, this is the most fun I've had in poke with Pokemon in a long time. And I think I got I got like 60% through the game. And, like, I liked it. I really liked it. But I, 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 I'm I not, I'm not going to play the DLC. I'd sooner go back and try to finish the game. Um, but I'm glad it exists for people who are excited about it.
0: Okay. If it was, like, Pokemon... I don't know what color they would go with. But, like, basically, like, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon version that had all this stuff, like they used to do, where it would be, like, they would just release, like, ultimate versions of the game, like, a year or two later would that be more enticing than getting an expansion
1: no i'd rather i'd rather dlc exist right like i was always a little turned off by those those versions cuz it's like like you know it's like oh the best version of the game comes out later but you've already played it so if you want to play the best version of the game and see the new stuff you have to replay the whole thing yeah And it's like, no, I'd rather just have DLC where I can take my character that I've invested a lot of time in and my team of Pokemon that I invested a lot of time in and take them to go see the new stuff. I think that's a much better solution.
0: hundred percent. It's like how, you know, Street Fighter, it's like, all right, how many versions of Street Fighter two am I supposed to buy here? And it's like, no, now I can just buy the DLC characters.
1: But yeah, even that's a little different because at least street fighter is like you know it's not like a rpg where you have like a team you know like it's mm-hmm. so i i was always i never liked that uh, sort of approach to to pokemon i understand it's sort of uh why it worked so well in a different era but once they had the option to add new content online it's like it's like all right we don't need to do ultra sun and ultra moon anymore let's just you know let's just do dlc which is what they're doing which is great sure so
0: let's talk about probably the second biggest news out of this stream. And it was also Scarlet and Violet related because you can now get Mew in your game. And then eventually you'll be able to get Mew too. Cool. So to get Mew right now, you go into the mystery gift menu in Scarlet and Violet, and enter the code, get your Mew, all one word. <laughs> and the Mew will have a random type, nature and moves, which I, I like that because it's not like everybody's going to have the same Mew. Um, and then, starting on September first, you can take your Mew and whatever other Pokemon you want into Terra Raid battles against seven-star Mewtwo battles. Which I don't know if you've done any of the Terra Raid battles. The seven-star Mew or the seven-star Raid battles are very challenging. Mm. But if you defeat the Mewtwo, you have the ability to catch them, which is you know that that's the key right there, right? Right. Um, they also teased that. Something special will happen if you bring your Mew into the battles against Mewtwo. I don't know if there's going to be some cool interaction. I don't think the technology of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet will support any kind of special interaction. But, like, the trailer, the reveal trailer showed, like, Mew and Mewtwo battling it out while, like, some other Pokemon from, like, the Paldea region kind of watched. Mm. But, like, I don't know what something special could be if you bring your Mew into the battles. It'll probably just th- be, like
1: maybe an in-depth conversation about the nature of friendship
0: (laughs) very well could be and i have you seen that meme where it's like mewtwo saying something really profound and mew just going mew and then mewtwo's (laughs) like you are wise beyond your years or something like that i mean that's
1: that's the pokemon movie it really is (laughs) Oh man, I remember I went with a family friend to go see the Pokemon movie with my younger sister and her friend. Mm-hmm. So it was like a lot of kids, right? And uh the mother of the friend and joined us. And in that movie, in theaters, the intro, I don't know if you remember this, was just a yeah. short that was just the Pokemon. It didn't have any humans in it. So it was like Pokemon just all saying their name, right? Like there was no dialogue. And I remember the the my my family friend's mother like leaning over and being like, is this what the whole movie? is gonna be like there's no talking it's just these creatures like saying their name for an hour and a half and i was just like you know honestly i don't know let's let's see what happens next <laughs>
0: yeah. i yeah she was like this is gonna be a long hour and a half. <laughs> yeah
1: this is gonna be a killer nap is what she was thinking <laughs>
0: so if you want mew you can get your mew anytime between now and september 18th and then the mewtwo raids run from september 1st through September 17th. So there's, the, mark those on your calendar or just log into Scarlet and Violet now and enter that code to uh, to get your Mew. I'm um, just giving we, away that Mew. given it away. Um, we might as well wrap up the Scarlet and Violet talk with kind of the other announcements surrounding this generation. So there's a new animated short series hitting YouTube on September 6th called Paldean Wilds. And it's going to focus on three Academy students learning about Pokemon in the Paldea region. All right. Fair enough. And then Pokemon Go is also getting its first Pokemon from Scarlet and Violet next month. And all we know right now is that the starters are joining. But I would actually be surprised if they didn't follow uh, with more either shortly after or at the same time as those. Mm. Um Detective Pikachu Returns also got a new trailer, and oh, I don't cool. really know if there's, like, much to say about this. Did you see this trailer?
1: I, I haven't watched a trailer, but it is a game that my family is excited about. Um, they like the original game quite a lot. Oh, really? Uh, I thought it was yeah.
0: stemming from the movie, not so much the, uh, the the original game.
1: No, yeah, it's the game. Uh, the I feel like a whatever. lot of people movie's forgot
0: fine. that the original game exists, and everybody's just like, oh, yeah, there was a movie like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But we got a new look at Tim Goodman, who is not played by Justice Smith in the games, like he was in the movie. Uh, We also got
1: what what Todd Snap like Tim Goodman. It's like their last names are like. This is who I am as a character. What's their occupation? Which is, I guess, how (laughs) last
0: names came into uh,
1: came into. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's actually accurate. I was going to joke about it, but it's like, well, hold on a second.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, They also had other characters from the first game, like Rachel. But this game's kind of sneaking up on us. This is a very busy October, and this comes out to uh, October sixth, so less than two months away. And uh, you seem
1: like you're pretty into it. Yeah, I, I, sure. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll play it honestly, but um, I'm just I'm near people who are excited about it. So okay. Yeah. Um.
0: Well, there were other announcements I'm so, by the way
1: i'm sorry i feel like this whole episode you're like what do you think of that and i'm like i don't know i don't care yeah thanks for being <laughs> so, so I'm enthusiastic sorry. Kyle. i'm sorry I'm, I'm lacking enthusiasm about all this stuff it's just it's just the, the how it goes sometimes
0: well let's just keep this lack of enthusiasm rolling we also got <laughs> updates for like the mobile games so uh pokemon masters got some new stuff i think it was scarlet violet related um pokemon cafe remix got some kind of jigglypuff thing I think, I don't know. I didn't really make any notes for that one, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. but then we'll, yeah, we'll end on funny. this one in terms of like the actual announcements. Cause it was one of my favorites. It was one that was, uh, I think a lot of people's favorites. It's the nostalgia angle.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Nintendo switch online added two games from Pokemon. Uh, they're, they're out right now. So in the game boy catalog, which is part of the base subscription, you can now play the Pokemon trading card game for game boy color, which i freaking love that's an amazing oh, yeah? that's game. a big one for you oh man i played the crap out of that and then like i actually found my old cartridge i probably like oh man it was probably 10 years ago now at this point but i remember being like oh let me fire this up and just like play it It was like i was in new york for my birthday and i was just like i'm gonna go up to new york by myself for my birthday and just like kind of hang out do stuff in new york and it rained the entire weekend and they're like i woke up one morning i was like i don't feel like wandering around in the rain so i'm just gonna (laughs) fire this up and play like you know an hour or something like that and i ended up beating it over the weekend because it was so good and it's it holds up i mean it's it's not as deep as like a standard pokemon rpg but i love the pokemon trading card game on game boy and it's it's mostly like the base set with i think some of like maybe the second set but Mm -hmm. um yeah, it's very, very good. I highly recommend it. It's structured I mean, it also, like an it RPG. Also,
1: it also teaches you the basics of the game, right? It of does. the card game. See, yeah, that's nice. Because I remember my my kid was getting into Pokemon cards. I never played the card game. And I we sat down, I was like, well, let's try to learn this. You and me, we can play. And like we just couldn't do it. Like we couldn't get our brains around it. But I think if I were to like sit down and play this, which is admittedly an older game. But just some, you know, something to sort of structure the rules and show me how things work. I would, I would be much better off. Like, it, I feel like that's probably the best tutorial for the card game ever, right? I was
0: just thinking how amazing it would be to get an updated version of this. I know there's Pokemon Trading Card Game Live, which actually might be the best tutorial, given that it has all oh, the updated right. rules and everything. That's a good and point. And it's free to yeah. play, so like yeah. you can just fire that up. But Pokemon Trading Card Game on Game Boy, it's just so straightforward it's an rpg so like it's just like it's structured very similar to uh like the red and blue style of pokemon games where you're going around to like different gyms and battling but you're just using pokemon trading card games instead of like actual pokemon and it's just a great time and they um i would love a modern version of that with like all the new cards and all the new expansions and everything that would be So much fun. I, I, that's honestly like I would rather have that than a lot of remakes that I have like put forward as like, oh, it'd be so cool if they did this. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking of it, like that might be like one of my like dream pie in the sky announcements.
1: Is a new proper Pokemon trading card, like narrative RPG game, right?
0: Yeah, Yeah. Like we got a new Pokemon Snap, which I think is maybe more niche than. I mean, maybe not because Pokemon Snap was kind of like a a casual appeal game, whereas Pokemon trading card game for Game Boy was like, you know, it was wide appealing, but it was also like kind of a hidden gem because a lot of people were just
1: interesting question. Like what sold more? I would put my money on Pokemon Snap, honestly,
0: probably because it was Uh, an N64 game. It was such a novelty to have like Pokemon in 3D. Like I remember that was one of the big things was like, oh, wow, like this is they almost look like they do in the anime <laughs> and yeah it's like such a cool thing
1: all right pokemon snap sold 1.5 million copies that's lower uh, than i thought in 1999 i mean this is a different era right I'm gonna let's see if i don't know if i'll be able to find it but uh, i'm curious with i'll see if i can look while we're still chatting i'm gonna google it and see if i can find out how I mean, many you can
0: probably find it on the wikipedia page for yeah. like at least a ballpark number for the pokemon trading card game and game Boy for game boy like that i keep having to justify it or like a. uh, uh qualify it in that way for Game Boy because I don't want people to like think I'm just talking about the Pokemon trading card game proper and also there's Pokemon trading card game live on your iPhone but
1: okay so okay so it looks like trading card game may have sold more
0: you also have to imagine that the um the user base on Game Boy is a little bit higher and also more geared towards Pokemon so that might be it but
1: so this yeah, is just like, just before we move on. Like this is all cursory Wikipedia research and grain of salt. Who knows how accurate this is, and we might be missing information. But according to Wikipedia, Pokemon Snap sold about 1.5 million copies, and then the game, the um the trading card Game Boy game sold 1.5 million copies in North America, and then another 600,000 in Japan nice so, Okay. but who knows like again i don't we're missing numbers etc but yeah it seems like it seems like yeah but the trading card game might have been like the bigger hit going by sort of commercial standards yeah like, like deck builders
0: standards. are are all the rage now so why not why not try it again yeah do it i would love that and like I just dare give you, us like game freak <laughs> i mean it was a it was a really great game in case you couldn't tell by my gushing over it to this point mm-hmm. But we also got Pokemon Stadium, which is in the N64 catalog. Pokemon Stadium 2, excuse me, which is in the N64 catalog. And that is included with the expansion pack um, subscription level for Nintendo Switch Online. So cool. Did you ever play uh, Pokemon Stadium 2? I only played the first one growing up.
1: Uh, I I think I did. It was was like one of those, like I rented a lot of N64 games. Like that was the prime... Rent a N sixty four game every weekend, right? Because like I own, I had the console, and then Star Wars: Shadows of the Empire, and then almost (laughs) everything else I played for a long time was just rentals. So that be like, with that in mind, like uh, I rented Pokemon Stadium, Pokemon Stadium two quite a bit, but it was more like my my siblings were playing it than me. So it's like I don't really have a lot of specific memories of it necessarily, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I never checked it out i I owned pokemon stadium one but just never i also stopped playing pokemon for a long time after gen one was over because i was like i don't want to learn a hundred new creatures (laughs) like i don't want to have to like memorize like all these things i was so into gen one i was just i didn't want to let go of that so i just kept playing and and i didn't get back into it until fire red leaf green because i was like oh well that's a great way to just have like a modernized version of my uh my favorite games yeah and then like as far as like all new mainline games i didn't get back into it again until xy so i was yeah honestly
1: x xy is like probably the pokemon game i had played the most up to that point right like yeah all the other ones i dabbled played about half you know got six or so gyms but and i was on the review for xy at the time uh you know which was a factor but i really got into that one and like played it and beat it and really had a good time yeah, it's a good
0: one. I, I really enjoyed that one a lot. Um, but how did you feel about this Pokemon Presents overall? Do you think, like, this was even a necessary thing to have?
1: <laughs> um, Yeah, I don't know. Necessary, what does that really mean, I guess? I Sure, like, give us an update. Let us know what's going on in the world of Pokemon every couple of months. Um, And then, you know, you just have to sort of rein in your expectations. You can't expect every one of these to be, you know the revelation that some of the bigger ones are, I I guess I would, I guess I want them to exist, even if they don't have any big announcements, because it's, it's fun to have a little presentation, you know, based on a franchise I like, but uh, yeah, overall, if we're going to grade it, you know, like C, C plus, you know, something like
0: that. I'd probably be on the C range just because I don't know, like everybody was expecting or, or wanting, Either remakes of some kind. I think a lot of people were, were saying, like, oh, maybe this is when we get like let's go Johto or something like that. Or let's uh let's get like Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow, or even like in the Game Boy Advance catalog, like Fire Red Leaf Green, or I don't know, some anything other than like spin off titles. Because that's all we've gotten yeah. in the Pokemon here. Like we have Pokemon Snap in the N sixty four catalog. We have both Pokemon Stadium games. They're, it's like they're... all right, can we get the mainline games on those?
1: they're yeah they're weirdly so precious about those and then they they put them on 3ds but i don't know it felt late or like you know i don't know i like why not what's the why do they are they maybe they just like to look forward and don't like to look back but they did put stadium on there yeah i mean the biggest announcement to me the biggest surprise was pokemon trading card game (laughs) you know because it was like i just kind of thought that was dead right like that they had kind of would ignore it forever like i think it was on 3ds as well if i'm not mistaken was it okay then yeah i just it feels like one of those games like it's the same reaction i had to super mario rpg remake earlier this year (laughs) where i was kind of like I just assume Nintendo would sooner never think about that game again. Like they yeah. just don't care. It's not even that they think it's bad. They just, it's like, we've moved on play paper. Mario. If you want a Mario paper or a Mario or Mario and Luigi. And yeah, like that. which, well, that's uh, that's a whole thing. Cause that studio is now defunct and stuff, but like, um, So when the trading card game, it's like, yeah, that's on Switch. I was like, that one? Oh, okay. I I assumed you guys forgotten that existed. But great, cool. Happy to see that there. I saw
0: a lot of enthusiasm for it though. So I'm hoping that this is this is the the spark that lights the fire that signals the revolution, Kyle. Pokemon trading card game RPG revival, please.
1: But new Pokemon Snaps sort of reception is not doing it any favors, I feel like. (laughs) Not that it was it was not a bad game at all. It was just people were kind of like you know, they're like, oh, I, yeah, I know I said I wanted that, but I, I, I wasn't actually going to play it. I didn't I know you guys were taking sold. me
0: seriously. <laughs> I wonder what that sold as I punched my mic by
1: mistake. Uh, yeah, let's look, let's see what that New is. Pokemon, maybe yeah. it was great. Maybe I'm, it just feels like it came out and everyone kind of sh- shrugged their shoulders. Well, it has a 79
0: on Metacritic, which isn't awful. That's pretty good, actually.
1: Ooh, um, okay. 2.4 million copies. Tw- uh, in america so you know but that's that's not
0: that's great. as of december 2021
1: yeah i don't it's okay
0: yeah that's that's better than either pokemon stadium 2 or uh pokemon trading card game
1: but that but or, that's uh, pokemon a, snap or pokemon we're in a different game. era though like crossing the a million threshold is not the sort of um high bar of of success that it used to be right um, yeah but i don't know Maybe 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 I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe actually that is that they're that is a total success and they're very happy with that. I don't know. It just felt like when the game came out everyone was just kind of like, "Yeah, it's fine." and then moved on. But hey, they they did content updates for that and everything. Yeah, okay. I'm So maybe that maybe it's doing Pokémon Trading Card Game a favor then. Maybe that is a incentive. <laughs> I'm just saying you've got a few years
0: before we probably have a a, a Gen 10 get sneak in sneak in a pokemon trading card game rpg do it do it nintendo all right kyle that's all we're going to talk about with this uh pokemon presents stream we're going to take our final break of the show and when we get back we're going to take a look back at the legend of zelda Link's awakening which turned 30 years old this week we will be right back Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening is viewed by many as one of the greatest games in the Game Boy Library, and many argue it deserves a place near the top of any Zelda ranking. That game turned 30 years old this week, so Kyle, I want to take a brief look back at the development history to round out this week's episode. What was your first experience with Link's Awakening?
1: Uh, let's see. I played a lot of it. I got my hands on a copy somehow when I was pretty young. I believe... I had played yes yes, yes yes I had played Ocarina of Time at that point because that was my first Zelda game and it was such a monumental thing for me that I went back and was like, "Well, I got to I am late to this franchise. I got to go see what I missed." right? And I remember going on a family vacation uh, and taking it with me and just getting totally absorbed into it even though I was many years late to it. Um, and I actually didn't finish it. But I did beat the the remake that came out a couple years ago. Um but I yeah, I I really I I really like Link's Awakening. It's like I know a lot of people like to point to Majora's Mask, but I still think Link's Awakening might be the weirdest Zelda game. Uh I talked to Tezuka, I think, at an E3 once in depth about it, and ended up writing like a um uh, a piece for Game Informer about it. And like them they talked he talked a lot about like Twin Peaks inspiration, which I Mm -hmm. think is a super fun element of that game is like how important Twin Peaks is to its like sort of storytelling. It's a really like it's a really charming and lovely game and also like a technical uh, powerhouse considering what platform it was on. The fact that they got a like a fully featured Zelda game on the Game Boy uh, is really impressive. Uh, So I, I have a lot of affection for Link's Awakening. I really like Link's Awakening a lot.
0: Well, that's actually how it started development was, you know, it famously started as an unsanctioned After Hours project by uh, Nintendo, um, specifically programmer Kazuaki Morita. And uh they basically just do it, started doing it for fun because they wanted to test the limits of their ability to create a Zelda-like game
1: on the yeah. Game Boy.
0: Because they're like, could we make
1: this work on this limited platform? I mean, I think even... And maybe you have the notes in front of you, which maybe are even based on that, the, partly on that that feature I wrote. But I think it even started as a link between worlds port.
0: Link to the past.
1: I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Link to the. I'm sorry. Link to the past port. Right.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Uh, link Link to the past came out on Super Nintendo in 1991, and Takashi Tezuka, as you had mentioned, uh, he was the director of Link to the Past. He decided, like, oh, I kind of want to make a Zelda game for Game Boy, and that was his original idea was port a Link to the Past to Game Boy. But then it was eventually decided to make it an all-original game once they kind of started like thinking about ideas for it. And then Tezuka signed on to direct this one as well. So uh he he's I, I do like the rapid fire interview that we did with Takashi Tezuka at E3 2019. Uh me and Ben Hansen were there for that. And uh basically Hansen read off all of like Tezuka's credits, like you're the director of Super Mario World, you're the director of Yoshi's Island, you're the director of Link to the Past, Link's Awakening. <laughs> and he just kept going and going and going. And he, he just kept going, Yes, yes, yes. And he's like,
1: Miyamoto Who <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, truly. Yeah. I still yeah, speaking of those rapid fire questions, like genuinely, we've done like literally at this point, thousands of those at this point. Uh many of which I was not involved in, uh, during my uh when I wasn't here for a couple of years, but um one of my favorites, period, is when we interviewed Onuma and Miyamoto, mm-hmm. and I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, but we were like, is it weird that Kirby has a cameo in Link's Awakening? And they and they very seriously looked at each other and were like... No, no that's that's fine that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I I, I just that. loved that reaction of like we were like it's weird, right? And they're like uh no, it is actually quite normal that Kirby appears in Link's Awakening. Why are you asking us this question? <laughs> so
0: I was reading for a lot of this research I was reading an Awada's Awata asks interview from 2009 yeah. and uh Tezuka called the development unrestrained and that they just started adding unauthorized cameos of characters like Mario and Kirby. Uh, Different era, uh,
1: man. They didn't have to seek approvals for that stuff. Yeah, well,
0: Iwata even said, like, you know, we always talk in, like, these, like, TV... Like, you look back at, like, TV shows from, like, the 80s or 90s, like, oh, you could never make that TV show today with how everything is, and, and, like, you could never, like, say that type of stuff on TV in 2023. Iwata was literally, like, I don't think you could make... A game like this in this style today and that was in 2009 yeah, and tezuka was like that? yeah probably not
1: <laughs> yeah there's just too many layers of approvals like you throw kirby in there it's like well hold on now we gotta call mr kirby and make sure that you have the right model and well, yada yada you so know? tezuka
0: did say that they asked for permission for kirby But it was probably still a surprise for most people at HAL because it only went to like the upper people. Probably I would imagine like Sakurai and Iwata were the ones that like were asked. And, uh, you know, Iwata was at HAL during those times. And he said that because Kirby was such a new character in that in that era, that it felt like a huge honor to him to have Kirby appear in a Zelda game because, you know, Zelda was like a prestige franchise already at that point. So that was kind of an interesting thing. And uh, Tezuka kind of said he wanted Link's Awakening to feel more like a spin-off than a mainline game, which is why mm, he told yeah. uh, Kensuke Tanabe, who was writing the story, uh, like kind of the bigger beats, um, to write the story without the use of Princess Zelda, the Triforce or Hyrule. And then uh, the ball eventually started rolling on an island with an egg on top of the mountain. And then Tezuka said <laughs> that it started feeling like he was making a Zelda parody game instead of an actual Zelda game. Which was uh, kind of an interesting revelation. It seemed like, or he's just like, yeah, I don't know if like this is actually a Zelda game, or are we just making fun of Zelda?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's why I like about it though, because it, it it also is a, It's not to spoil the end of Link's Awakening. You know, fast forward ahead if you don't want to hear about this, but um, it, you know, it is kind of like it was all a dream at the yeah. end, but it kind of toes this like, or it it it, it toes this line of like but maybe it wasn't, right? And I, f- and I feel like that's key of like, it's like, oh, what a weird adventure I had that might've actually happened, but I'm not really sure. You know, and I li- I really love that about it. So
0: Toshihiko Nakago, are you familiar with that name?
1: Uh, no, not not off the top of my head. No. He is
0: the president of SRD, which has worked with Nintendo on a lot of projects, a lot of early Zelda and Mario titles. Uh, Satoru Iwata once called him... Miyamoto and Tezuka, the golden triangle of developers, in like terms of like the success of Nintendo games. So like he was held in pretty high regard. I mean, he's still with SRD, and um, he actually said that the cameos are probably to blame on a programmer at SRD who was working on Link's Awakening with Nintendo. Um, he was just doing whatever he wanted. So he was just like, I'm going to add Chain Chomp from Mario as a character that you like walk around with. And then he also added Goombas and Piranha Plants and then like a Yoshi doll and Mario and Luigi.
1: Yeah, all and good just... decisions. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> make it weird, you know? So, you know who else worked on this game? Uh, the, the director of Twin Peaks? Whose name is escaping no. me right now? Uh, Why can't I? Uh, David Lynch. You? David Lynch. Thank you. <laughs> David Lynch did not work on this, but Yoshiaki off, Koizumi
0: okay. who you may All know right. for his work on uh, Ocarina of Time, Majora's mask, Mario galaxy one and two. He joined the team after the initial phases to help uh, uh, without with the story. And he was the one that came up with the idea of it being kind of like a dreamlike st- sequence or a dreamlike experience with a bunch of strange characters. And basically the goal was to have every character be suspicious or act act suspicious. Mm, and uh, okay. this is where kind of the idea of drawing inspiration from Twin Peaks, as you had mentioned, um, and it's just so fun to have like American media referenced by Nintendo because like, I don't know, like it, it's it's so rare that Nintendo will even say like, yeah, we looked outward for inspiration because right, they're like, yeah. oh yeah, we had these ideas and the like, closest- if you ever ask. The closest we get
1: now is, like, I think Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom is, like, without a doubt, heavily inspired by Princess Mononoke. Like, there's so many lines to draw between that film uh, and those two games. And, like, the, the most you can get out of Nintendo is, like, we looked at anime.
0: Yeah, they never <laughs> you know. reference specific things anymore.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: That's why it's so fun to hear them say that, especially somebody like Takashi Tezuka, who's, like, you know, maybe number two to Shigeru Miyamoto in terms of, like, Nintendo creative superstars yeah um so they asked so here's a fun thing so you were on here for the wind waker retrospective where i was talking about like how developers would come and go and like aonuma was like stuck in the (laughs) he was like stuck in the office for so long the only reason he knew that it was turning to winter was because people were showing up in winter jackets (laughs) just like oh i guess it's cold outside now (laughs) because he had not not been outside for so long um Iwata asked Tezuka if they were able to create Link's Awakening without any detours. And when Tezuka said that things went pretty well and there were no like major road roadblocks or detours, Iwata said, quote I thought it was a tradition for working on a Zelda title for it to turn into kind of an exercise in suffering.
1: <laughs> oh no, we don't want that. I mean, we love Zelda, but don't don't suffer to make Zelda for us.
0: And then Tezuka uh, said, "I remember it was fun working on it, and when it was over, I remember us talking to each other about how fun it was." So that's that's nice. Okay. Good, good. So you know, we had uh, a lot of people involved with this. We had uh, Kensuke Tanabe, we had Yoshiaki Koizumi, we have Takashi Tezuka. Um, You know who was not involved with this?
1: David Lynch.
0: Not David Lynch, but not (laughs) Shigeru Miyamoto either. Tezuka said that he wasn't involved in the day-to-day development saying, quote, I think he was busy with something and didn't pay us much attention. (laughs) And then uh, Tezuka also said, I do hear lots of Nintendo Entertainment analysis and development staff members say, uh, not just you guys, but also say that he's busy and he doesn't pay them much mind. Miyamoto San's busy right now and won't pay us any attention at any given time. Miyamoto San tends to get tends to have something that he gives priority above everything else. When he's absorbed in that, he basically lets everything else go.
1: Yeah, I mean that that I mean what it's always t- tough to know what it's like to work with Miyamoto. I mean, we always are trying to find out more, but it does seem like he's so future focused that like the the people who are working on something that's like actively needs to be released within the year or two. It's like, that's he'll check in and give feedback and stuff. But for the most part, he's like five years ahead of all of us. You know what I mean? Like he's like working on the next hardware and stuff like that. When, when people are like, well, yeah, we got to get this new Zelda game out. So that, that's, that makes sense.
0: And I did look back at some interviews that I've done recently. And um, I'm bringing up a, a, an, an interview I did with uh Koji Kondo and um and Shigeru Miyamoto earlier this year. But I was also looking back at an interview I did with A. G. Aonuma at E3 2019, and I was like, What's what's it like collaborating with Shigeru Miyamoto on all these uh these games and everything? And he was just like, you know, even after working with him at this point for like almost 30 years it's still wild to me that like i can say that like i collaborate with him like i'm still like so excited <laughs> like he's like i never think of it as collaboration but when you put it that way maybe i actually am collaborating with him that's really exciting to think about like he yeah. never like thought of it as like oh yeah we collaborate he was like no he's my boss and he tells me what to do and i do it
1: like i mean yeah you you can be Age aonuma mr zelda but if shigeru miyamoto walks up to you and says something to you it's like what do you, you what? What can you do but not just accept it and be like, yes, this is how things are. This is this is the man who figured out how to make video games, <laughs> basically. Know? Yeah. Like...
0: So I I did ask um, Koji Kondo and Shigeru Miyamoto how their collaborative relationship has evolved over the last almost forty years, and uh, Koji Kondo said this is earlier this year as a part of the media for Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, He said, when I entered Nintendo, it's been 38 years. We've maintained this distance where it's not too close and not too far. And then Shigeru Miyamoto chimed in with, when there's work on the Mario series, I would go to Kondo-san and say, can you write one track to this and make requests like that? There's obviously no guidance that I can provide in terms of music to Mr. Kondo, but I am in a position where I can perhaps provide creative guidance to him. And so Mm -hmm. over the years, what we really talked about is that when we're creating music for games, let's create music that can only be possible in games. And then, you know, he goes on and on like that. And then he Unless says- it's the, banjo.
1: We know Miyamoto loves himself some banjo.
0: <laughs> and uh, then he said, the idea creation process is the responsibility of the game designer. And likewise, these kind of creative ideas need to come from the sound designer as well. That's been something I've been trying, I've been kind of encouraging Mr. Kondo to do but I don't know. Sometimes he doesn't speak up. So, and he kind of trailed off and then Koji Kondo interrupted with, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, yeah. And then Shigeru Miyamoto said, but you know, he's got a career of almost 40 years. So the idea of creating something that is uniquely Nintendo comes naturally to him now. And then, um, yeah, I mean, he said, I think from time to time, Mr. Miyamoto has continually reminded me that that's what we're doing. And, I've been able to really focus on those areas and it's been something that I've really enjoyed doing for all that time. So it sounds like Miyamoto recognizes that like the, the brilliance that is around him and he tries to give them kind of like the ability to chime in with that. And like, it seems like he does that a lot with Zelda now where it's just like, yeah, that's AGL Numa's realm at this point. Like Mm -hmm. I know that even in this game, even in Link's awakening to kind of circle back here, Miyamoto didn't really have any like oversight, even though he's listed as a producer, but he did come in during QA and tested out the game. And then he gave some uh, apparently very, very important changes that got made. Mm. Um, Link needs
1: a sword, stuff like that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: So Tezuka later on in this, Iwata asks, called the development of Link's Awakening their after school club, which I thought was kind of charming because like it was very much an after-school club at first. And then it eventually evolved into being something that they were actually working on during work hours. Um, so I guess, how do you view the legacy of Link's awakening in 2023?
1: Uh, it's like the, it's like the weirdo entry in Zelda, like, w- but well liked, right? Like it's, it's a good example of a game that steps outside of the normal sort of tone of the franchise in which it exists, but still is like very successful as a zelda game which you know you could say the same of breath of the wild and eventually tears of the kingdom as well um so but i do think its legacy is like that's the weird one especially with the remake now too like it looks nothing like any other zelda game you know if, you, if you're like a young player even now if you look at the library of zelda games that are available to you on switch that are more contemporary, like links awakening stands out as the weird one that looks like you're playing with like toys. Um, and I like, and that's what I like about it. It's, it's cool for that reason. You know, you know, there were some weird elements in things like link to the past, like,
0: you know, he turns into a bunny and stuff like that. But like, I feel like links awakening is where they learned that like, Oh, people like the weird stuff. They don't just put up with it because it's in a really great game. Like they actively like it. And I think that's why they felt so galvanized going into the N64 era. And, um, you know, Aja Onuma called it the first Zelda game with a true narrative. And like the characters actually felt like real characters, not just like Mm. people who you were supposed to go up and like, oh, they'll tell me something that I need to know to pass on to the next quest.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Like you have that dad that calls you or you can call for tips. But like if you try to go visit him in person, he's like too shy and doesn't want to talk to you. Like (laughs) weird stuff like that. That that all that, you know, the tingles of the uh um, of the Zelda universe, so to speak, like it wouldn't exist without Link's Awakening, sort of going first to be like, yeah, no, we can do weird stuff. It's cool. Players like it. I mean, a lot
0: of the Majora's Mask characters wouldn't exist without Link's Awakening.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: And it's also, the, I think this is the first, like the, the heaviest emphasis they had on music to this point which you hmm.
1: know well did... i mean i don't know link between worlds was like link to, link to the past you keep saying link between <sighs> worlds I kyle keep saying that i don't know because it's a very know. good game as well and also a direct sequel but yeah but... i link to the i you know i i think that was very
0: link to the oh, i see what you're
1: saying of music, because but... of the, the 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 wind fish and it's like you're collecting instruments yeah yeah that's and I'd that obviously carried yeah.
0: forward like you know ocarina of time very very music focused wind waker yes. very music focused um and you know, there's a lot of games that have uh, music elements following Link's Awakening. And I can tell you that when I was interviewing Aonuma at E3 2019, he consistently told me that Link's Awakening, not a Link to the Past, was his biggest inspiration for Ocarina of Time. Interesting. Like he just, I kept trying to circle the conversation back to a Link to the Past, and he like kept circling it back to Link's Awakening. And I That's was cool. like, and I was just like well what about link to the past and he he like had a moment where he was just like why are you asking me about this game like i didn't work on a link to the past so i'm like yeah i just want to know the inspiration and he's like well a link a link link's awakening was by far the biggest inspiration was kind of like his hammer home point that he had that's cool um and then the remake as you have alluded to came out in 2019 that kind of changed a lot of the visuals. I think the visuals have been very polarizing. They especially were at first. I think a lot of people have come around to it. Very similar to A Link Between Worlds when that came out at first. Like everybody was like, oh, this is so ugly. And then now everybody pretty much loves Who it. Who
1: are these people? Get but out of here. Also, Wind
0: Waker. I mean, it's the Zelda cycle. It's the the <laughs> basically the inverted Sonic cycle where at yeah. first people are like, oh, I don't like these changes. And then by the time they like, a few years past they're like that's
1: the greatest change that was ever made in video games I love the way the remake looks I think it looks amazing
0: it looks very very unique and I like that a lot Um, when I spoke to Aonuma about the remake he said Link's Awakening was a game I was not involved with the development I was just playing it as one player he said And then uh, he said it it left a very strong impression. The original Game Boy version was released at the time, 26 years ago, so it's a little bit hard to get your hands on it these days. So I've always wanted to reimagine it. So like I was talking to him about on the topic of like remakes and remasters in the Zelda series, and that was when I got the quote from him that a version of Skyward Sword that doesn't use motion controls might be close to impossible, which you know has since been released (laughs) in in the real world. And then one of the big features that the remake added was kind of this dungeon creation tool. And uh, he said, when we were thinking about this game, we always wanted to incorporate something where the player could do some kind of arranging of their own. And what we came up with was the dungeon arranging. Link's Awakening was the perfect fit for that, especially with the dungeons. So we wanted to incorporate that with this new reimagined game. So I know that was kind of maybe the less exciting part of that game like people are like oh is it going to be like zelda maker and it's like "No, you're just kind of choosing which rooms you want to put in the game not like actually designing dungeons
1: yeah there wasn't much to that i, I didn't really engage with that too much
0: yeah but uh anything else on Link's awakening before we wrap up here kyle
1: uh great game shout out to oracle of season and ages which released on the the switch online service recently i i've been playing them for the first time like it's one of those i dabbled with occasionally but uh actually committed uh this time on the most recent release and um that's very much you know very much a Link's awakening sequel those two games more so even than the the follow-up more so than like ocarina of time you know which Mm -hmm. came out beforehand but um I finished seasons recently, and the, it was it's an it was a nice throwback to like a Link's Awakening esque Zelda game. It was it was a good time. I enjoyed playing it. By the way,
0: the biggest improvement I will say for the remake for Link's Awakening is that because there's so many more buttons, you don't yes. have to oh unequip the sword because you have to use other items. Like it was like you could only equip like the sword or the shield because there's only two face buttons on a Game Boy. So it's like, all right, well now that we have a Switch that has four face buttons and sh- triggers and shoulder buttons it's like now there's a way that you can just always have your sh- sword and shield equipped yeah. and then you can equip other items to the other buttons and that is a huge huge improvement that was my biggest annoyance with Link's awakening uh, uh,
1: oh the yeah game and voyage. i just i just experienced it again with se- uh oracle of seasons i i'm sure a lot of people play this way i just never unequip the sword yeah so i'm just i've just always got you know, just one uh, open spot. And it, it's actually extra annoying on switch because there are other buttons there, right? Like they exist. They're on the controller, but they're not compatible with the game. If that makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. So it feels like, shouldn't I, can't I put some more items on? It's like, nope, that's not <laughs> how this works. You're playing it. You're emulating the game boy game. And I'm like, all right, I get it. So
0: if you haven't checked out links awakening, uh, there are two options for you on switch. One is the original game boy version, which is on the switch online catalog. And the other is the remake that came out in 2019. I don't know if that's been on sale recently. Nintendo games don't typically go on sale, but I think remakes go on sale a little bit more frequently than like all original games. So yeah. there's also,
1: lucky. what's it called? The uh, It's like a little handheld that you just, I still see in stock at like targets and stuff. Do you know what I'm talking about? It has Zelda, the NES game, I think on there. And it also has Link's Awakening.
0: Oh, it has Link's Awakening. I thought it was only the original Zelda.
1: What is that thing called? It's
0: remember? like the, it's like a special, it's like, like a game and, game watch, and thing, right?
1: watch, right? Yeah. Uh, let me yeah. double check. that I'm not crazy. It's one of those things that I, uh, I admit I bought. I'm part of the problem, uh, but have never actually opened and played. I just okay, thought so it was cool.
0: It's out of stock online, but it does include Link's Awakening.
1: Yep. There's Zelda, Legend of Zelda 2 and yeah. Link's Awakening on there, which is like a solid way to play it. I think, you know, like that little machine that with the two buttons. Like it's, it. I think that would be a good way to play the game if you haven't
0: Yeah, it also has a special Zelda-themed Game & Watch game called uh, Vermin, which, you know, it's an original, it it was on the original Game & Watch, but now it stars Link. It just has Link's head instead of Mr. Game &
1: Watch. Yeah, it's also a clock.
0: It's also a clock, because you don't have any of those. There's no way of knowing what time it is unless you have a Game & Watch. Of course, of course. But Kyle, thank you so much for joining me for this episode.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: And thank you so much to everyone for listening. Do me a favor, if you haven't already, throw All Things Nintendo a five-star review and hit that subscribe button. And if you want to get any questions or comments in, you can get in touch with me, allthingsnintendo at GameInformer.com, or hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Threads, or Blue Sky at Brian BrianPichet. You can also join the Game Informer community Discord, which is a perk for subscribing to our Twitch channel, even just for one month. Kyle, tell everyone where you are on the internet.
1: Uh, Still poking around on Twitter... Uh, Blue Sky is actually the one I've been using the most. And I'm Kyle Hilliard on there. I was able to drop that M. I usually have Kyle M. Hilliard. But I'm just Kyle Hilliard on Blue Sky. So find me there. That's the place I'm the most uh, active I think.
0: I thought about dropping the P when I uh, went over to Blue Sky. And, and Well, I mean, I can't do it on threads because it's linked to your Instagram. But I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to keep it consistent across all the platforms.
1: Yeah, which, you know, maybe I made a mistake. But I was like, you know, what, it's time. Let's go for it.
0: That is our show for this week. Thank you again for listening. Take care. We'll see you next time.